Good morning. How are you guys doing? I'm doing well. Thanks, Mark. I'm doing well. Exciting. Mexico. It's always exciting. I love seeing those, uh, the kids and, and everyone involved in there and the fundraiser that's happening after the service. Make sure you, uh, if you have time, stick around and, and be a part of that. Uh, at, at McKenzie, I, don't, I didn't tell you this last time I, I was here a few weeks ago, but uh, a year ago, we actually did our own fundraiser. We called it Heart for the Home, and uh, we just wanted to take a season where we were investing into the community that we are, are worshiping in, and we have a strong relationship there. And so, uh, and so about a year ago, in, in sp- uh, spring a year ago, we did a, uh, a little fundraiser where we wanted to... Uh, we wanted to, uh, I heard that, I heard that, uh, uh, we wanted to do a fundraiser where uh, uh, we were buying chairs for the community center, and, uh, and which was about $8,000, and then in the fall we did a, a capital campaign where we were able to build a new stage into the community center and sound equipment and uh, curtains and screens and, and everything, and it just looks fantastic. Our goal was uh, we wanted to raise around, uh, uh, between the, the stage and the chairs, approximately $38,000 is what we were looking, and uh, we ended up raising almost $65,000. Hey, hey, yeah, yeah, and so we're just thrilled. God is doing some really incredible things in, in the middle of uh, the worst recession that we have had in 30 years that our people are still just being so generous and, uh, and given to the cause of Christ and the mission that we are all on uh, guiding people into an authentic relationship with Jesus. And so this, it's a lifelong initiative for us as as a church. Uh, my name is Drew. I am the campus pastor over at, at Mackenzie uh, Lake, and it is a privilege and a blessing for, uh, for me to be here and to share God's word. We are in uh, the I Am series where we're looking at different I Am statements that Jesus makes in the gospel of John. And this morning, we're going to look in uh, John chapter 11, uh, and we're going to walk through that chapter. It's a little bit of a lengthy chapter, so I'm going to skip around, and, and uh, hopefully you'll be able to follow me with that. Before we, uh, we jump into this passage, though, um, and if you don't have a Bible, raise your hands, and I think we have uh, greeters that will, uh, will bring a Bible to you. But uh, before we jump into this, can we just, can we bow our hearts in worship and prayer? Father, we thank you for uh, this gathering. We thank you for this, these people. We thank you that we can meet here and worship you. And Father, I just pray for uh, individuals in, um, in our church and our family that are going through some really hard things right now. I pray that you would be the resurrection and you would be life for all of us. Father, we, um, I think of the, the family that just uh, lost their teenage daughter this last, this last week. I just pray that your presence would be so real so real with them. And I pray that this community, this church here, would be a safe place and a place where they would encourage the family that is mourning this loss. We thank you for the gift of community. We thank you for your presence that is real, that is always with us. In your name, we all pray and say, amen. 
Amen. Um, we are going to look in uh, John chapter 11, and we're going to uh, focus on the statement that Jesus makes in, in verse 25, where he says, I am the resurrection and, and the life. And so I'm curious, have, have any of you ever seen uh, a resurrection? You, have, have you actually seen a resurrection? Um, I, I have. Does that surprise you? Um, I, I've seen a resurrection. If, if you are at my, you go to my house and you sit on my couch in the living room, um, on to, if you look to the right, there's a big six by six window there. If you look to the left, there's another big six by six window. I'm sitting on my, my couch there and my daughter comes up the stairs and she, uh, she's like talking to me, daddy, this is like a couple years ago, daddy. And she's all excited to see me. And I'm like, yeah, my daughter likes me. This is awesome. And so right in the middle of this conversation, all of a sudden we hear this bang. And, and we look over and a bird had flown into my window and just dropped on the, on the patio floor there. And, and so me and, me and Emery run over and she's like, is he dead? Is he dead? And, and I was like, I don't know. Let's go look. So we run around. We go to, to the back door, out the kitchen door. And we look. And, and when we get there, the, the, the bird just kind of like starts getting up and starts shaking and doing like the whole thing with his neck. And it's like a little self-induced chiropractic session. And then, and then flies off. And it's like, It's alive. It's alive. The bird's alive. That's my resurrection story. All right? You come up with a better one. <laughs> and so, uh, so we're looking at the resurrection of, of Lazarus this, this morning. And we're going to look at how Jesus brings to life things that are dead in our lives. And we're going to actually focus on a few different individuals. But before we get into that, let's start here. Uh, verse John 11, verse 1 is where we'll start, and this is what the Bible says. Um, now, a man named Lazarus was sick, and we're going to find out that he wasn't just sick, but he was sick to the point of death. And he's from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. Verse 3 says, so the sisters went, sent word to Jesus, and what did they tell him? They said, Lord, the one you love sick. This is bad news in the middle of a good life. And unfortunately, I want to pause here for a moment and I want to recognize that there are people here that are celebrating great things that God is doing and, and, and a good season in life, but there's also people here that are walking through really hard things in your life. And, and maybe you've heard this statement, the one that you love is sick, maybe it was a little bit more direct, and it's the one that you love has cancer. Or maybe it's the one that you love has, has diabetes. Or maybe it's something different. Maybe it's the job that you love is going away, or the marriage that you've dreamed of has turned into a nightmare or the close friendship and relationship that you have is not working out, or maybe you're a parent and you received a call from the principal at your school saying that the one that you love is in trouble, and you got bad news, and you got something that's not favorable. I uh, told this story um, uh, in generalities here before, I'm gonna, I want to talk a little bit more specific this morning. I'm going to uh, share a little bit of my, my, own, my own life, my own journey. I was born with a, a condition called uh, pancreatitis. 
uh, chronic pancreatitis. I've had this my whole life. And uh, the doctors didn't know what it was. When I was in my first uh, 20 years, they had no idea what was going on inside of my body. I'd be in a lot of pain in and out of the hospital uh, consistently. Uh, pancreatitis, typically if it's, if it's a genetic thing, it, uh, they, 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 it's four Fs, um, 40 uh, fat, fertile, or female, and I didn't fit any of those, and so they did not catch um, this condition called pancreatitis until I was, uh, yeah, around 20 years old. Um, I was uh, moved down in my mid-20s. I was going through a season where I was getting a lot of these attacks, and I'd be in and out of the hospital, and, um, and I had got married. We'd moved down to Calgary here. We lived over in Bridalwood at the time, and my uh, my wife was, uh, she had a, a family function that she had uh, to go to, and I was going, I was in the middle of this, and I couldn't go because I was sick. And so she, uh, she goes to the, the family function, and she, um, she calls me during that night, and she, she says, how you doing? And I said, I'm not doing too well. She says, well, can you take your temperature because you, you're a little feverish? So I took my temperature with a, with a thermometer there, and it read 108. And, uh, and she said, well, that's, that's, that's high. Like, that's not good. You need to call uh, the ambulance. And I said, I'm not calling the ambulance. I don't like ambulances. I don't like doctors. They're not good. They hurt me, and they keep me there, and I don't like it. And I'm being a baby. And, and, and so she, uh, she convinces me that the responsible adult thing to do is to get help in this situation. So I call the, I call the ambulance. They come. Kristen comes home, and uh, she comes home just as the ambulance, the, the paramedics are taking me out into the, the ambulance on a stretcher. Uh, while I was in the ambulance, they, they took my temperature again, and my, uh, my temperature jumped up from 108 to 116. And, um, and so I uh, wasn't doing well. And, we, and Kristen's following the ambulance, gets to the hospital, and she says it's like a scene from one of those paramedic shows. And there's like a receiving team of doctors and nurses that are there waiting for me. There's about 20 people there, and they wouldn't let Kristen to see me. Um, but what she saw was I uh, was foaming at the mouth, and my body was shaking and, and convulsing. And uh, and one of the the doctors or the nurses came up to her and said, "If you, if if your husband has any loved ones, um, you should probably make a phone call because we don't know if he's going to make it through the night." And she had this sinking feeling in her stomach and could identify with this text, the one that you love is sick. And it's really interesting because when you read this, this is how Jesus responds when he hears the news, the one that you love is sick. He says, the sickness will not end in death. Uh, everyone say it out loud here. It's for what? God's glory. So that, say it with me, God's son may be glorified through it. So this very thing that you never want to happen, this very thing that is so painful, this very thing that is causing such turmoil in your life, God's going to use this very thing for the glory of God. We're going to come back to that verse, but um, and, and the next 10 verses from here, uh, I'll just quickly go through it. Over the next 10 verses, everyone thinks that Jesus is going to respond and he's going to go and he's going to see Lazarus and he's going to heal him and everyone's going to be happy again, but Jesus does nothing. He, he, he sits and he's two, for, for two days. 
He does nothing. He's like whistling. He's just doing his thing. And everyone's like, no, 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 don't you understand? Somebody is sick. Lazarus is sick. The one that you love is sick and he doesn't do anything. And finally he talks to his disciples after two days and he says, he says, okay, um, we're going to go and wake Lazarus up. And uh, yeah, we're going to wake him up. And he's saying, we're going to raise him from, from the dead. So what I want to do is I want to look at three different characters in, in this story. The first one is Thomas, and then I want to look at Mary, and I want to look at Martha. Um, so let's start off with Thomas. Uh, we know Thomas. What's Thomas's name? Doubting Thomas, right? We know Thomas. Uh, so in verse 16, uh, he, he is faithful to this nickname, Doubting Thomas. All through scripture, he's known as Doubting Thomas. And so in verse 16, we'll pick it up and it says, Then Thomas, also known as, as Didymus. Everyone say Didymus. That's just a funny name, Didymus, right? That sounds like P. Diddy's kid or something like that, right? <laughs> Didymus. And so, so he said to the rest of the disciples, this is, this is Didymus, this is Thomas talking, and, and he says to his disciples, he's going to be sarcastic here, so now he's sarcastic doubting Thomas, and he says, let us also go that we may die with him. In other words, he's doubting. He's saying this is not going to be good. This is not going to turn out well. There's a plot that's against Jesus and they want to kill him. And if we go with Jesus out of this safety spot that we're in, we're all going to die. So, you know, he is being a little bit pragmatic and practical in his own mind. And, you know, he probably thinks that he's, he is a realist. We might call him a cynic, right? And I'm curious this weekend at all, um, this morning here, how many of you would be honest enough to say at some point in your life, you've had spiritual doubts. You've had doubts. No, like, like seriously, can I see hands? You've had doubts. Um, if you didn't raise up your, your hand, uh, you know, you continue to polish your halo, and, uh, and I will talk to the rest of us that have dealt with these doubts. Because here's the reality. Everyone that I know at some point has prayed some prayer that God could and that God would, but God didn't. And then all of a sudden, boom, you're filled with doubts. Why didn't God answer my prayer? I don't know your story. Maybe you grew up and you had a simple faith and then you go to university and some professor stands up in front of the class and says, what's in this book is not true. And you're like, oh my goodness, everything is, is false. I've been told a lie. Is this my own faith or is this my parents' faith? And you're filled with doubt. Or, or maybe some of you, something really bad happened to you. Or to somebody that you loved and you thought, well, if God is good, why, why did he let that happen? If he's all powerful, why didn't he stop it? And, and you're like Thomas and so, suddenly you're feeling doubt and you're dead in your, in your doubt. Or maybe you're more like Mary. And you're not dead in your doubts, but if you're, if you're taking notes here, you're dead in your discouragement. Because you just don't see anything good that, that's happening. You can't, you can't seem to get a break. Mary, she's, she's discouraged. And when, Mar- says here, when, when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet Jesus. But, but what did Mary do? She just, she just stayed home. She's like, it's already done. Lazarus is already dead. I don't need to go and see Jesus. I know what is the situation. And she's discouraged. And, and she's, she's stuck in her discouragement. 
And, and maybe honestly, that's where some of you are at right now. And you're saying, yeah, this is my life and I've been in this for, for so long and I don't see a way out of it and I'm feeling discouraged. I'm always going to feel alone. I'm always going to be depressed. I'm always going to be stuck in this, in this marriage. And I never thought it would turn out like this. I'm, I'm just kind of stuck. I'm discouraged. And some of you, that's where you are at right now. And see, in, 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 in our Christian culture, it's easy for us to come to church. And we know the, the language, right? And so if somebody says, how you're doing? We can say, glory to God. Awesome, hallelujah, yes, Jesus, he is risen, risen indeed, but inside you're feeling dead. I think one of the hardest things in the, in the Christian life is, is when we are sincere about our, our prayers and we, God doesn't answer them. And we feel like God is so distant from us. And we wonder what's, what's going on. And, and what I want to do is I want to actually take a look here uh, really quickly at, at some of the bigger picture of what is going on around this story. Because you and me, we see through the lens of the physical. We, we see life right now right in front of us. And, and, and God, he sees through the lens of the physical what's going on. But he also sees the lens of the spiritual realm as well. And there's something that is, that is going on behind the scenes in this that the disciples don't know about, that Mary and Martha don't know about. And Jesus, if we have ears to hear, Jesus is going to show them what's really going on. And so, so Lazarus is, is sick and he's actually dead at this, at this point. And, uh, and, and Jesus tells his disciples in, in verse 14, he says, Lazarus is dead, and for your sake, I'm glad I was not there, for now you will really believe. See, th- what's going on is that there's some doubt in the camp. People are wondering, they're questioning, they're saying, uh, is Jesus really who he says he is? And so now Jesus addresses this doubt, and he says, this is going to be for your benefit, disciples, Peter, John. James, this is going to be for your benefit. And, and that's not the only thing that's going on. There's, there's something else that is going on behind the scenes. And, and Jesus talks about this. He says this in verse 4. He says, Lazarus' sickness will not end in death. No, it happened for the glory of God that we read together so that the Son of God will receive glory from this. And so this, is, this whole situation is going to happen. There's going to be an unfolding of the situation so that, that God's glory will be revealed and you're going to see God's glory. And you're going to see God for who he really is. And, and then he actually talks to Mary and Martha. And, and this is what he says. Didn't I tell you that you would see God's glory if you believed? And so Mary and Martha, he's saying, you're going to, you're going to experience God in a way you've never experienced him before. You're going to believe in God in, in a way that you've never believed him in him before. And, and it's still, there's still growing circles that are happening here. Fourthly, in verse 41, Jesus looked up and said, Father, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me. But I said it out loud for the sake of all these people here. And so now there's, there's it's for the benefit of the people that are standing around and they're watching this event unfold. And still more, fifthly, therefore many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary had seen what Jesus did and put their faith in him. And so now many Jews, they're coming, they're seeing what Jesus is doing. They're, they're going to put their faith and their trust and their hope in who Jesus is. So there's five expanding circles. There's five benefits, you might say, 
to this whole situation around Lazarus. You have that the disciples may believe. You have that God's going to get glorified. You have that Mary and Martha are going to believe. You have that others are going to believe. And you have the, the Jews are, are going to believe as well. And what's interesting, in those five growing circles, Lazarus isn't part of it. Now, if I'm Lazarus and I'm listening to this, I'm feeling a little choked right now. I'm like, what am I? Am I just a a means to an end? But that's not the case because we read earlier, the one that you love is sick. So Jesus loved Lazarus. And of course he is valued by him. And he is important. Sometimes we have to look away from ourselves to the bigger agenda of what God is doing and understand that our lives are here to enrich and to benefit others. Paul, he talks about this, the Apostle Paul in Philippians chapter 1. Listen to what he says here, verse 20. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. And so here's what he's saying. No matter if I'm living No matter if I die, my whole reason for living, my whole being is is for Christ to be glorified and Christ to be exalted. And so Lazarus, he is a sixth beneficiary, and there's actually a seventh one behind this. And if you read it in the, in the, in the 12th chapter, it says a, a large crowd of Jews found out that Jesus was there and came not only to see him, but also to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. And so Lazarus himself becomes a magnet that is drawing people to the person and and the reality of who Jesus is. And so there's a much bigger agenda. There's a much far-reaching purpose than, than, than what lays behind Jesus seemingly ignoring the request of, hey, Lazarus is sick. You're going to do something about this. And so Martha, and that this is Martha, She's struggling with the timing of God. She is dead in, in the delay. What, why, why did God take so long? Jesus should have come back earlier, and, and he didn't. Why did he take so long, and the delay is killing her? And it, it, it's, it gets worse because Lazarus, he's been dead for four days. And that's, that's actually a significant statement uh, that, the, that John was trying to convey to us. Because in uh, first century AD, for the Jews, there was this, there was this uh, it was like a belief. It was a folklore belief. It wasn't, it's not scriptural. You're not going to find it in the Old Testament or anything. But um, there's this belief that, that uh, the body, once the body died, the spirit would kind of hover and hang around the body for three days. And then on the fourth day, the spirit would, would leave. And so, and so, so there's four days by the time that Jesus comes to see Lazarus. And so, so Martha, she kind of does the math and she's like, okay, Lazarus is not just mostly dead. Lazarus is dead, dead. Princess Bride fans, anyone? You got that? Hey. (laughs) And so uh, this is really starting to bother Martha. And, and, and he's so dead that when she describes to Jesus how dead Lazarus is, she goes after the odor. And I love the way that the king says it. Because the, the King James, it's like, uh, says, it says this. Uh, when she describes Lazarus, she said, uh, he stinketh. He stinketh. It's like a holy stink. He's so stinky, he stinketh. 
Verse 11 says, uh, um, Martha says, if you had been here, my brother, he wouldn't have died. You took too long. Why didn't you do something about this when you could have done something about this? And some of you right now, you can relate to that. And you've been, you've been praying and you're waiting on some unanswered prayer. I know um, a lot of just incredible single in, singles is, uh, that I know, and they've been praying. And they've been praying that God would bring to them uh, somebody that they would marry and someone that they could spend the rest of their lives with. And all their friends are going to the club and all their friends are, you know, doing the jiggy jig. And they're not even doing the jig. And they're just kind of sitting around. They're saying, okay, God, I'm doing everything the right way. How come, how come they're experiencing this? How come they, they have companionship? How come they have marriage? And I, I don't. I know uh, some married couples. And, and they've been praying for years that they would conceive and have a child, start a family. And nothing's happening. And then they go to a small group, and their small group leader or their pastor looking at his wife, and they just get pregnant like that. <laughs> and, and nothing's happening. They can't conceive. They're hurt. It's real. I know some of you, you've been praying for a loved one for years. You've been praying that a loved one would come to know Christ in a powerful, meaningful way. And it's like the more you pray, the harder the heart gets. And you're wondering, how come God isn't breaking through? For some of you, you're praying for healing. Because if there's one thing that we believe, we believe that, that with God, all things are possible. And so we're praying, you're praying. And you're praying for healing. And nothing's happening. The sickness is just, it's there. And you feel dead in your delays. I was reading this passage and studying this passage. I brought my study Bible with me. And it's interesting because everything bad happens on page 2045 here. No, I'm serious. Everything bad is on 2045. Sickness, the doubt, the discouragement, the timing of God, the, the delay of God. Everything is bad is happening on, on this page. And, and this is the very last line that is on this page. This is what Martha says to Jesus. Even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give to you. Some of us, we really need an even now moment. You, we need to really see and understand that God is doing something and that he is at work behind the scenes and we need an even now moment in our lives. And this is what Jesus says. He says to her, I am the resurrection and the life. And we need to move from 2045 to 2046 where we understand that Jesus is the resurrection and the life. And this is where we were at that night. We were on 2045. Kristen, and she's watching me as I was sick. I'm foaming at the mouth and fever is sky high. Doctors are all around. 
It was looking pretty bleak. It wasn't looking good at all. Parents are driving three and a half hours at, at uh, two in the morning. Don't know what they're walking into. And the doctors, they sent me into, uh, into, so I could get an MRI and see what was going on internally. And I came back out of it and they, they told um, myself and Chris and they said that uh, my body was littered with stones. Um, not just in my pancreas, where this is the usual issue, but in, in my kidneys, in my liver, all, all around, in my, in my bile duct, it was just my intestinal system, it was just covered with, littered, littered with stones. And so the doctors gave us two options. They said, um, here's, our first, here's our first option, is we can do a major surgery, we're going to cut you open, we're going to take your pancreas out, we're going to fillet it, and we're going to put a drainage system in the pancreas, and so it can automatically drain into your intestinal system from the pancreas without having to go through the duct. And I said, um, that doesn't sound like a good option. I don't like that. Uh, what's their second option? They said, a second option is a minor surgery that can maybe get us through uh, so we don't have to do a major surgery quite yet, but we're going to stick a, a scope down your throat, and, um, and there's tools at the end of the scope. It's called an ERCP, and we're going to see if we can remove the stones via the tools at the end of this scope. And I said, I like that option a little bit better than the first option. Uh, can we go with that option? And they said, yeah, let's do that. And I said, but doctors, you under uh, got to understand something about that option. I've had that option 10 times. It hasn't worked once. And the doctor's like, well, what do you want to do? Maybe 11th time's the charm. I don't know. Let's go for it. So that, that night... Um, before the, the surgery, I'm in my room. My wife's there. My parents are there. Uh, Willie, remember Willie, uh, lead pastor at SunWest, founding pastor, he came and visited. He said, let's pray. And I said, I'll take your prayers. But you also got to understand, I'm 28 years old. I've been prayed for my whole life. Uh, no healing, no nothing. This has been a, a chronic issue, a continual issue. And so I've been prayed for on Wednesday night prayer meetings, on Saturday nights, on Sunday mornings, any sort of church event, youth event, whatever I've been prayed for. There's prayer team people all around the world that are praying for me. I've never experienced this. This was just a part of, of life. I've never experienced healing. It was just that this was my life. This is what I had to deal with. And uh, so he said, let's pray. And I said, okay, let's pray. And, and inside I'm thinking, um, this prayer is more for you than it is for me. This is to encourage faith more than it is going to encourage my faith in my body because this is just a continual disappointment that I uh, felt. So they prayed, and uh, I didn't feel like a, a, a rush of warmth across my body or anything. It was like, amen, amen. All right, let's do the surgery now. Send me to the surgery room and do the ERCP, and they, they put the scope in, and they come back out, and they give me the results, and they said, we didn't see one stone in your body. Not one. And I was like, what? Seriously? Not one stone. See, that, that, that's an even now moment. That, that's experiencing resurrection and life moment in, in, my, in my life. Maybe some of you right now, this is the moment that you need to experience resurrection power and resurrection life of Christ. And you feel discouraged. And there's doubts that are very real to you. And you're wondering about the timing of God. And you're in this delay season of God where God is not answering your prayer. And even now, 
When there is something that is dead, the resurrection power of Christ can bring it to life. And that's what Jesus does here. And he tells Martha, your brother will rise again. And he says, I am the resurrection and the life. And this is the crazy thing, because he doesn't say, I'm able to resurrect. He says, I am the resurrection. So this whole resurrection bit, it's not an event that Jesus does. It's who he is. It's the very nature of Jesus, that he takes what is dead and he brings it to life. The resurrection is not an event. It's a person. The resurrection is not an event. It's a person. It's not what he does. It's who he is. Dead things don't stay dead when Jesus walks into the room. And it's just awesome because look at the, the, Jesus. He looks at the tomb where Lazarus, where Lazarus is stinketh. And he says to the disciples, take the stone away. And they did. And then Jesus calls out in a loud voice. And I don't know why it's a loud voice. Maybe dead people don't hear well. I don't know. But he calls out and he says, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out. And his hands and feet were wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. And Jesus says, take the grave clothes and let him take off the grave clothes and let him go. When I was here last uh, time, I showed a picture of my son, my new son, Beckham. Remember that? And he, was, he was on the table and it was the, it was the first time that he had seen light. And we committed as a church that we would be, and there was pictures of hands that were in that picture of doctors that were cleaning Beckham up. And we committed that we would, we would be a, the kind of church that would get involved in people's lives. We'd get our hands dirty. And we would continually point people to the light of Christ. And we see that example here again. Where Jesus the people around him and he's saying he's saying I want you to get your hands dirty I want you to go to the dead man and I want you to unravel all the claws and all the stinkiness off him up and, and so that he can see and he can experience life and life abundantly and we just see this theme all throughout the New Testament here where it's it's us loving God and us loving one another and in order for us to love one another we have to get our hands dirty with one another. And this morning, I want us to be reminded that Christ has rolled the stone away. And the same voice that calls out to Lazarus is calling out to you and is calling out to me, saying, come on out. Come on out. Come out of that tomb that you are experiencing come out of that tomb that has been a reality in, in your life. Your, your sins can be forgiven. Not because anything that you've done, not because you're that good, but because he's that good. And we can be set free, not, not because we're that strong, but because he's that strong. And we can feel his presence, not because it's anything that we have done to deserve it, but because he is that good. The resurrection is not what he does. It's who he is. And some of us, we're still stuck on 2045. And we need 2046 to be a reality in our life right now. And I'm, I'm telling you, 
Not everything is perfect on 2046. Right? You don't win the lottery on 2046. Your hair doesn't stop falling out at 2046. Your stomach doesn't go back flat at 2046. There's still issues that we have to deal with. There's still realities in our lives that we have to work through. But in 2046, we understand and we live out of the resurrection power of Christ. And Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. This is what we call the gospel. It's the good news that God did something that we couldn't do for ourselves because he's that good. The tomb is empty. He is risen. And resurrection changes everything. Can we stand this morning? I'm going to ask um, the band to come back up. I know that there are those of you that, um, that are hurting right now. That this is a... Uh, a difficult season in your life. And I want you to take a, a, a moment right now. And if, and if you would say, Drew, I, I do need prayer. I, I do. I've been stuck in doubt. I'm dead in my discouragement. I don't understand God's timing. There's unanswered prayer in my life. I just need to recognize that I can trust him. If you are in any of those can you just raise a hand right now? You just raise your hand. I want to pray for you. I want to pray that you would be drawn deep, deeply and dearly into the presence of, of Jesus. Let's, let's all pray and then we're going to uh, worship with a song. Father, we, uh, we come before you right now recognizing that Things aren't always the way that we would have them be. We recognize, God, that uh, discouragement is real. Doubt is real. That we are caught in a delay. Father, I, I pray that those of us that are living on 2045, that we would be able to flip the page and recognize that we serve a God who all things are possible. We serve a God who says, I am the resurrection and the life. I bring what is dead to life. I pray that we would have the kind of daring faith to believe that what is happening right now in the heavenlies and the spiritual realm that we can't see, but you can see that you are a work around us. And that you are using our lives for the benefit of others, for the glory of who you are. God, I just pray that in this room right now, us as, as Christians, as believers, as sons and daughters of God, I pray that faith would rise up in our hearts. And we would fall more in love with you and we would trust you at a deeper level. With every area of our life. God, we commit our lives to you. We commit the deadness that we feel that we are in, the discouragement that we experience. We commit that to you. We just ask that you breathe new life into us that even now, even now, that you would breathe life. You would show yourself strong and you would show yourself real and you would show yourself good. 
We commit these things into your holy, holy, precious name. Amen. If you want prayer, we have a prayer team that would love to pray with you. I'd invite you to come while uh, the worship team is, is singing. We love you. We want to journey with you. We're not perfect in this journey, but we're committed to it. Amen. When uh, Jesus, he responds to Martha, he's, he asks her this very poignant question. He says, do you believe? I want to tell you just really quickly, I'm going to pass it over to Mark here, Pastor Mark, but um, but my health, do I believe? What do I believe? Uh, here, here's the reality, is I, I still have pancreatitis. And here's the other reality. I'm okay. I'm okay with that. Uh, God did something in my body uh, that day. And it was beautiful. And it was amazing. And it was... something that only only God could do uh, I still have attacks not nearly as frequent as what I had before and what I'm trying to do is look through the perspective of Christ through the lens of God and if God can be glorified through my body in the good and the bad then I want to have faith with that and I want to trust him in so I just wanted to clear the air there. Uh, if, if you might be thinking, hey, Drew's like completely all of a sudden he's healed, awesome, and, and there was healing. Uh, but I still struggle with it every once in a while. I haven't had one though for two years. So yeah, that's awesome. I'm going to pass it over to Pastor Mark. I'm going to close in just a second, but quick story before we let you, let you go. I shared this with Drew earlier, earlier in the week. So immediately after the First World War, there's a young man in eastern Czechoslovakia by the name of Jan Gresko. Wanted to make a better life. He'd just recently been married following the war. Came over to Canada, borrowed money from his father-in-law. When he got off the boat in Montreal, Somebody handed him in the Slovak language, not Czech, but Slovak, his language, Gospel of John. The book was entitled Good News from a Man Named John. Jan Gresko was amazed because here he was arriving in Canada. He said, I get this free book with my name on it, Jan, in my language. He headed out to Saskatchewan on the train, and on the train ride, he read these words. These things are written that you might believe, that by believing on him, the son, Jesus, you might have everlasting life. And with no one to talk to him, no one to pray with him, just reading the Bible, he gave his life to Jesus Christ. He said, I believe, and surrendered his life to God. Got out to Saskatchewan, worked, saved up money, sent it back to his father-in-law in Slovakia and then paid for his wife to come. She met him in Ontario. 
He got a job in Hamilton, worked at the Westinghouse factory for the rest of his life. But because he'd had such a dynamic encounter with God, he planted a church in central Hamilton called the All Slavic Full Gospel Church. That church is still there to this day. John lived a great life working at Westinghouse and pastoring on the side. He did that for over 50 years. And he always said, I have two major requests in life. I want to go before my wife goes because I could never live without her. And I want to go with my boots on. Sure enough, it was 1983. He was preaching a funeral message. And he shared these words. I am the resurrection and the life. And whoever believes in me, even if he's dead, yet shall he live. With those words, he stiffened up, straight as the board. He fell and hit the floor. And the doctor said before he even hit the floor, he was already dead. Those were his last words. I'm the resurrection and the life. of it to confess his very last words whoever believes in me even if he's dead he's gonna live that man Jan Gresko last week I told you about my grandfather that was my other grandfather Jan Gresko so for me this verse takes on powerful significance knowing that I'll see my grandpa again someday in heaven And this week, again, the Shell family has gone through great loss, still sending their son to Mexico, still believing God for great things, even though their daughter passed on Tuesday. But isn't God faithful? Even though we die, yet shall we live. We might have our even now moment. We might be healed. We might be restored. But what assurance there is for us to know that even if we don't get our even now moment, we live forever with God. Isn't there comfort in that today? Isn't there great hope in that today? Great peace in knowing the Lord Jesus Christ. In just a moment, I'm gonna dismiss you. We'd like to invite you to stay for our Mexico fundraiser chili lunch. We've ended the service intentionally early today to give you time to join us. There's a suggested donation of $5 per person or $20 per family. If you're a family of three, you can still give the 20. We're good with that. If you want to leave more, if you want to write a check, if you want to bless this Mexico uh, missions trip with a, a generous donation, we'd very much appreciate your partnership in building these nine homes for these nine families this next week in Mexico. But for now, we bless you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We declare the peace of God and his life-giving strength all over you. And now, may the love of our Father, the blessing and peace of his Son, and fellowship of his sweet Holy Spirit be with you all, now and always. Go in peace and in the life of our Lord Jesus Christ.